Welcome everyone to Tamarail Adventures, a show that brings you information from all across the far reaches of Tamarail. I'm your host Eric, aka Suior, and today we're going to be talking about a data reference that people probably didn't know existed until they played Skyrim uh, because of one particular quest, and that is Vermina. Now, I actually do remember Vermina from Oblivion, but we'll get into that here in a little bit. Uh, before we get to Vermina, we are going to talk a little bit about news. So here is an article, or it's actually a Twitter post from the Elder Scrolls about Elder Scrolls Blades. So it says that if you play this game before the end of the week, um, as I'm recording this, it is March 29th. Um, so I don't know if that is Friday or if that is Saturday, what have you. Log in now um, and you will get 500 gems and some other things. Some, uh, the gems are in-game currency for the store. So uh, <laughs> to be completely honest, I hadn't played Blades in quite a while. But uh, yeah, that made me log in again. So there you go. Um, some, uh, if you haven't played Blades, it is fun. It is worth checking out. I know a lot of people crap on it, but I enjoy it. Um, so next up is about Ghostwire Tokyo. So that is out now. It came out a few days ago. And so far, the reviews have... Um, I think they've been a little mixed, um, unfortunately. It is ranked very positive on Steam. I think the average... Uh, score that I've seen is a 72%, uh, which is what PC Gamer gave it. It's usually in the 70s or 7 out of 10, whatever, whatever the ranking system is. I still want to play it. And for those of you who are on a little bit of the, a little bit on the fence about this, there is a demo that you can play for it. So yeah, go check the demo out and then um, maybe that'll get you to play the game. So uh, see what else we got here. There is an article here. I guess there's a new Witcher game that has been confirmed is in development. Now this is a little interesting because a lot of people, I mean Geralt is the um, poster boy for the Witcher, whether it's the TV show or the games, but a lot of people felt that his story ended in Witcher 3. I'm not going to get into spoilers for Witcher 3. Um, but yeah, a lot of people think that his story is over and, um, CD Projekt Red has said that this new game is not technically Witcher 4. It's, I guess, going to be a brand new story. Uh, so I don't know. I mean, it, like I said, I don't, I don't know for sure if that's what they mean, but I'm guessing that this is going to be a brand new story. And this is kind of, uh, hinted at by the medallion that they show in the promo picture for it. It is not the wolf. This is a lynx. So, and what's really interesting about this is the uh, wolf clan. I don't, I don't I can't remember what the name is for the different, or the wolf school. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The, uh, the wolf school is usually what's been highlighted in the Witch Games because Geralt is part of the school of the wolf. Well, the Lynx is not mentioned anywhere in any other previous Witcher 
things, whether it's a book or the games or whatever. There's, I mean, they've they've talked about different schools in the games, uh, but most of them you learn from the books. So, yeah, the Winx is brand new. So what does this mean for the history or for the future of the series? Who knows? Um, it's all speculation right now. All we know is that they are, in fact, working on a brand new game. So I'm excited to see it. I loved Witcher 3. I've got all three of the Witcher games now. I need to read the books, but um, yeah, I'm excited. I love me some Witcher. So that's really it as far as the news that I've seen. Um, I, I mean, we could talk about Fallout news, which we will with the new episode of Tapes from the Waste, uh, whenever that drops. So let's go ahead and talk about my gameplay, and that's honestly uh, the main reason why this episode has been delayed a little bit, and we'll get into that here in a minute. Um, as far as what I've been playing, I've been playing, actually I've been playing a lot of uh, ESO lately. I've been continuing the Ebonheart Pact uh, storyline, I am I mean the Shadowfin story really didn't take that long so i think i'm I, I got a feeling i'm nearing the end of the evan Pact story and it's been cool um i am now in skyrim i finished the each Mar east easy for me to say east march uh part of the story and i'm now in the rift so i think i'm still in the rift but yeah, I've been continuing that. It's been I've been working directly with King Yorin, and it's been fun. Uh, let's see what else I've been playing. I played more Guardians of the Galaxy, and I'm still loving that game. It's so funny. Uh, for those of you who haven't played it, definitely check it out. So there's kind of this sub-story that's going on with this space llama. And I completely forgot about this thing, but there's one point where you just finish a mission and you take on this giant flying octopus. It, it, you say this stuff and it sounds like it's batshit crazy, but it makes sense in the game, I guess. So there was a boss that was a giant floating octopus. You got to cut off its tentacles and then attack its head. Even at one point in, when you're fighting it, I think it, I can't remember who said it, but one of them was like, why don't we attack the head of this thing? Why, why do we keep cutting off its tentacles? So you kill the giant flying octopus, and you're back on the ship. You escape where you're at, and you're having this discussion about what to do next. And rockets, you're trying to contact somebody, and you can't contact them. Like, something's blocking your... Like, it just, it's kind of staticky. Rocket's like, I'm going to go check on this. And then all of a sudden you hear this really high-pitched scream that turned out to be Rocket. And apparently the space llama was chewing on the wires. <laughs> it was just, it was so funny. And the interaction between the characters, even when you're in the middle of a battle, it's great. And the soundtrack is awesome. I don't know how they got the license to a lot of these songs, but... You'll do a huddle up, and the next thing you know, they're playing 80s classic rock, which I guess now 90s and 2000s is considered classic rock, which makes me real, feel really freaking old. But, uh, yeah, um, just, it, it's awesome. Definitely check it out. Um, 
If you are a wrestling fan, you know that we, uh, the wrestling community recently lost Scott Hall, uh, Razor Ramon. And uh, this one hits a little hard for me. Um, I've, of course, I'm a wrestling fan. I've been watching since the 90s. I actually, when I was living in Indiana, I remember seeing commercials for WrestleMania 8 because that one was in Indianapolis. Um, that's how far back I go with wrestling. And I remember playing uh, WWF Raw or WrestleMania the arcade game or uh, Royal Rumble for the Super Nintendo or Sega Genesis. I had a Sega Genesis or Master System for those of you who are UK. Um, and I would pick Razor Ramon. Especially when I was playing WrestleMania, the arcade game, because he had this kick-ass 24-hit combo once you had a combo. And then I started watching WCW Nitro, because um, I was playing um, WCW NWO Revenge, and there was Sting, and I wanted to see Sting, so I started watching Nitro. And, you know, it was in the middle of the whole NWO story. And then I, I uh, took a break from wrestling, started watching it again in 2006, and um, yeah, I've been watching it since then. So the fact that I uh, the wrestling like, and it was such a crazy way to go. Like he fell, broke a hip, and went in to have surgery for it, and the, apparently there was a blood clot that led to him having multiple heart attacks. Such a he, such a crazy way to go but um i have uh, wwe 2k20 i haven't picked up the new one yet so i've been doing tornado tag matches in the game with kevin nash you know the outsiders and taking on different tag teams whether it's dx or the usos or the new day just you know my little way of remembering him so yeah um Let's see what else have I been playing. So, I think the the thing that I've been playing most that will probably uh, get people's attention is I finally picked up Elden Ring. So, yeah, I I haven't gotten very far into it. I've been playing for a few hours, but I've been hearing all of these different podcasts and just people in general talking about this damn game. And I, I was like, all right, I, I gotta pick this up. Um, I've never played a Souls game before, but I mean, I, I've played um, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, which I guess is kind of in the style of a Dark Souls game. But I've never actually played a Dark Souls game, and I guess technically this isn't because it's not in the Dark Souls series, but a lot of people compare it to it. And I love me some fantasy games. So I'm like, all right, you know what? Yeah, it's probably going to be really hard, and I'm probably going to die a lot, but that's just something I'm going to have to get used to and not rage about it. So I picked it up, and I picked the prisoner class because it's kind of a battle mage. I got a feeling that I'm going to make several different characters for this. Um, I'm probably going to pick a, or like make a warrior character also. Um, Maybe a, a, a mage character, but um, I went with prisoner because it's battle mage. I like being able to use magic too. And I get to uh, you know I do, I'm doing I'm in the starting dungeon, and I couldn't figure out. Oh, like I, I beat the boss, 
where the hell do I go? You, you go to this cliff and it, on this cliff you see a door and I thought that I'd already came through that door. Why would I go back the way I came? But yeah, I guess that was the door that I was supposed to go to. And there's a platform that raises up to take you out of there. So I finally make it out of the starting dungeon, cave, whatever. And I keep hearing, like I was listening to GameStack and Rick McVick was talking about this wolf cave. And I think Shaleen was talking about it also. I now know all about that wolf cave. I get in there and there's a few wolves. They're not difficult, but then there's this giant werewolf type boss, which yeah, it was the the dungeon boss. And he kept killing me uh, in a few hits. Like there were times where I couldn't even land a hit on him because that this thing should not be this fast for as big as it is, but there we are. So um, I gave up on that, and that's kind of where I'm at now. I'm definitely going to keep playing it. It's one of those games where it, it, it's hard, it can be punishing, but it's another one of those games where when you're not playing, you're thinking about ways to you know, beat what you kept getting killed at before. Um, and the other thing about this game, I didn't know this going into it, but there is no pausing in this game. Um, I thought that it was a single-player game. Yeah, you, there might be multiplayer aspects to it, but it wasn't techni- It wasn't an online-only game. Well, that's not the case. Uh, yeah, the pause just brings up, or the the start button just brings up the menu, and you have to. Uh, <laughs> yeah, don't don't do that when you're in the middle of a battle. Uh, let me just put it to you that way. Um, I guess multiplayer just means that other people can load into the same world you're in. Um, I don't know. I haven't done anything with that yet. I guess I'll get back to you because uh, my buddy KDB from the Tapes from the Waste podcast and now Nintendo, um, he picked that game up <laughs> quite a while before I did. So uh, yeah, I'll, I'll uh, let you know what happens the next time that I played. Uh, or the next time I put out an episode. Um, other than that, yeah, I've been playing Fallout 76 always, as always. I think I'm about level 60 on the scoreboard. And I think this was Sunday, this past Sunday. I <clears throat> am trying to finish my dailies. I have not cared for the dailies for this week. Kill five legendary enemies or kill a three-star legendary enemy. That's completely freaking random. Um, I mean, yeah, there are certain uh, events that have guaranteed enemies but you don't know if they're going to be three star one star you know however many fucking stars there are so i load in and apparently the last time i played i exited at the white spring train station and i had only been loaded in for a few seconds and all of a sudden i'm getting attacked i'm like what the hell is going on and it turns out it's some other player just punching me for whatever reason which you know happens whatever but he just won't stop. So finally, I'm like, all right, fuck you, dude. I take out my Gatling gun, and I start blowing him, uh, like, putting round after round into him. And I almost kill him several times, and then he kills me. So, yeah, um, I, I he baited me. He just wanted 50 caps, because that's what you get if you kill another player. Don't be an asshole. <laughs> Seriously, like, the Fallout community... 
or in a gaming community in general can be really cool but also really toxic and I know there's no more nuclear winter but that doesn't mean you need to bait people into attacking you like come on don't be a dick um, I've been playing Fallout New Vegas as always uh, check out my gameplay on the Fallout feed uh, because I'm part of the round table for that and let's see what else have I played I think yeah I played some Fallout 76 on my PC I'm normally an Xbox player but um, yeah I thought I'd load it up on PC and I actually have my original character with my original camp and uh, it's still there uh, it's right there by the uh, Flatwoods, I think it's the Flatwoods uh, Logging Company or whatever the, the, the logging company is right there, not too far from Vault 76. So yeah, uh, I did notice that my uh, game on PC has a little bit of lag, uh, just a little bit, not enough to make a huge difference, but it's definitely there, which is probably one of the reasons why I enjoy playing it on Xbox so much, but yeah, I might play it on PC from time to time here and now. Uh, not super seriously, I'm not going to grind for the scoreboard or anything like that, but yeah, you might see me on PC from time to time. So anyway, I think that is it uh, as far as my gameplay, so let's talk some Vermina. guys let's talk Vermina so unfortunately I wasn't able to find any sound clips with this uh, particular date of prints unfortunately I had a lot of fun with Shea Gorath adding those sound clips and it was it was pretty fun pretty cool um, unfortunately I couldn't find any with this particular date of prints so but, but let's let's talk some Vermina so Vermina has multiple names that people know her by uh, there's the Prince of Dreams and Nightmares, the Gifter, the Mistress of Nightmares, and Potential Portents, the Lady of Nightmares, the Weaver of Dreams, the Queen of Nightmares, the Weaver of Panoply, I've never heard that word before, the Dream Weaver, and the Dark Lady. So you get the idea of what Vermina is about. Mostly nightmares, but maybe some dreams but pretty yeah pretty much the uh the dream world lord not to be confused with a certain slasher that likes to put razor blades at the end of his fingers but yeah um that is mainly how i know vermina um there's a couple of quests that i've done with hers in both oblivion and skyrim so but let's let's dig in a little bit so her realm is dreams and nightmares, and from those from whose realm evil omens issue forth. All mortals come under her sway as they sleep. That's uh, kind of terrifying, but she's considered one of the more demonic Daedra. I can see that, in that she is destructive for the sake of causing destruction. Her method is typically torture. She is disgusted by mortals who maintain a moral compass, instead taking delight in those who commit outrageous sins or are unafraid to kill in pursuit of power. Layman know her for a reputation as the Daedric Prince of Nightmares and Evil Dreams. So her realm of oblivion is known as Quagmire, giggity, 
uh, described by observers as a nightmarish land. It is said that Vermina hungers for memories of mortals, collecting them for her citadel, or from her citadel, at the center of the realm, and leaving them with visions of horror and despair. Every few minutes, reality shifts and becomes even more horrifying. It is not known what Vermina does with these memories, but it's assumed that they're malevolent. Or malevolent sorry. Vermina is said to be the enemy of Ebonarm, of course. Ebonarm hates Daedra to begin with. Boethia, Perii, Termaeus, Mora, uh, but oddly enough is an a- ally of Sanguine, and she's typically at odds with Azura. Her summoning day coincides with the Merchant's Festival, which is the Tenth of Sun's Height. So another, um, so what, yeah, let's, let's dig into uh, how different cultures view her. So of course there's the Khajiit. So there's Vermina which, uh, with two eyes and uh, no E in her name, uh, but she's also called the Lost Daughter and she's a spirit found in Khajiiti traditions predating the Riddlethar Epiphany. And she is the child of Fatime, born out of her mother's fear of losing her children. Azura, Azura, I should say, killed Vermina in the underworld, and she can now only haunt the dreams of the Khajiit. And it is believed that she tests them by playing into their fear, for she cannot directly harm them in the Lunar Watis. So she does have some cult worshippers. Vermina often communicates with these people while they sleep, and exposure to the horrors of Vermina shows them may cause her faithful to be less inclined to feel fear. Her cultists perform blood sacrifices to appease and petition Vermina, as well as to summon Daedra from Quagmire. They are not adverse to using dark magic, and some cults that venerate Vermina do not allow their children with do not allow children within their ranks to socialize. So that's kind of interesting. She basically just cuts them off from any other person. So that must make them a little more feral. Vermina followers often partake in rituals that involve falling asleep and forcing captives to have vivid nightmares. Some of her cultists steal memories from sleeping innocents. The priests of Vermina, who dwelled in the dwelled in Nightcaller Temple, created a gas called the Miasma for, for their sleeping rituals. I think we all know what quest that entails, or is a part of. So, well, yeah, we'll we'll, we'll talk about that here in a minute. So, um, priests of Vermina are reputed to be master alchemists and their highly prized potions fetching handsome prices on the black market. Notable among these are, is a concoction known as Romina's Torpor, which places the Imbiber, Im, I think is how you say that, um, I-M-B-I-B-E-R, uh, yeah, Bieber, in a state known as the Dreamstride, which, uh, yeah, we'll talk about that too. Subjects are granted the ability to enter dreams of others and travel distances in the real world. One seems to vanish when the dream, when the dream side, uh, when entering the dream side, easy for me to say, only to reappear, reappear in the location their dream self was in when the effect wears off. Subjects have been known to reappear thousands of miles away in minutes. However, the dream stride is not without risks. The death and 
death and disappearance remain very real possibilities. There's also Supernal Dreamers, which are a cult dedicated to Hermina that was active during the Intergrim. Um, the Intergrim is basically the time in between the second and third incarnations of the Empire. Um, yeah, before the time, before the third Empire of Cybersebnum. So, yeah, we'll we'll talk about the different incarnations of the Empire here very very soon. But uh, during this time, there was a sect of Fermina worshippers known as Supernal Dreamers, and they sought to plunge the world into Vermina's darkness. The waking world was full of suffering, lies, and starvation, and the Dreamers believed that they could create a better world. Uh, don't they all? The Supernal Dreamers believed that those who refused to accept this, those who were driven mad by Vermina's dreams, were weak, unworthy, and blind to Vermina's truths. There, were, there exists people known as Dreamwalkers who can step into dreams of another through the use of a simple spell. Some of these people believe that these Dreamwalkers must have sold their souls to Vermina and to to be able to enter her plane, but yeah, nobody knows for sure. Their abilities are compared to that of Romina's priests who can enter the dream stride using the alchemical concoction. The dreamwalker's abilities seem innate though, and not something that they have to make a potion for, so there you go. Uh, there's a shy, uh, shrine to Vermina located southwest of Shadenhall that ba dates back to at least this time period, the Interdom. And uh, the devoted who worship this shrine seek for her to grant them true visions. They believe that the nightmares she sent them allowed them to see the world as it truly is. They receive visions and portents from her in the dreams, and their nightcaller interprets the princess' message. So, yeah, let's talk about things that she, we know that she's done in recorded history. So, let's talk about the second era. I guess she wasn't very active in the first era, or the Merithic era, or anything like that. So, let's start with the second era. So, sometime in the second era, Azura first saw that Vermina would attempt to plunge Stormhaven into a nightmare state. She called upon an orc named Dorok to travel to a region where, she, where he found founded the spirit wardens to protect the land from Vermina's plague of dreams. The spirit wardens used an artifact called Dream Shard to produce dreamless potions to protect themselves from her. So sometime in Second Era 582, which of course is CSO, the plot the plot foreseen by Azora would come to fruition when a cult known as the Supernal Dreamers sought to spread her influence across Tamriel in the wake of the Soul Burst. The cult undermined the efforts of the Spirit Wardens whenever they could, and desecrated Azura's shrine in Gavadon. With the cult's assistance, Vermina's omens invaded the dreams and minds of influential figures throughout the Daggerfall Covenant. Now, that's why I haven't uh, played that yet. I haven't done anything with the Daggerfall Covenant. This conspiracy cultivated in her consort Galthus, the first Nightcaller, taking over the mind of hiking Emmerich in, in Wayrest. Luckily, the Daedric Prince Azura intervened, and the plot ultimately was foiled when the Vestige entered Emmerich's dream and defeated Galthus in 
Galthus the Night Terror, ending Vermina's control of the Covenant. So, looks like I need to play through the Daggerfall Covenant too. So, <clears throat> one thing that's really cool that they do is once you beat the main quest in ESO, there's what's called there's quests called uh, Cadwell's Silver and Cadwell's Gold, and basically that just means you go through the other. Um, uh, three banners were faction quests so um i can't remember i did start one um i did start cadwell silver with my current character i can't remember what faction that is though i'm in stros Mackay, so or in hammerfell in general i don't know if i'm still technically in stros Mackay, but um i can't remember what faction the red guards are a part of but there you go yeah, it looks like I'll need to do the Daggerfall Covenants quests. So, later that same year, Vermina would exploit the weakened barrier between Oblivion and Mundust in the Rift by merging Scald's retreat in, uh, with her own realm. She enthralled a bard and instructed her to sing the ancient song that allowed Scald's retreat be, to be swallowed by Quagmire. She also ordered her minions to destroy tomes and artifacts mentioning her name, as Vermina doesn't like anyone knowing about her. That's probably why there's not a whole lot that people really know about her to begin with. She's not one of the more prominent Daedric princes, let's just put it that way. Vermina's hold on the cottage would be broken by the Vestige once more when they woke the sleeping bards and had them sing an ancient Nord epic breaking the spell placed on the isle. I wonder if this is actually part of the Ebonheart pack quest. I haven't played this part yet, but I wonder if this is part of the Ebonheart pack or just the zone quests. It could just be a zone quest. Alright, so let's talk Daggerfall, the third era. So around third era 405, Romina was summoned by an agent of the Blades in the Iliac Bay region. The prince gave herself the gave the prince gave the agent, not herself, their skull of corruption in exchange for killing a treacherous lich. So yeah, like I said, Daggerfall seems to be the very first game where you actually meet a lot of these state princes. So let's talk about the events of Morrowind. So the Nerevarine was inflicted with vampirism while exploring Vardenfell in Third Era 426 and sought out Molech Ball for a cure. Curiously, he is known for creating vampires and whom contrite ones turn to for relief from their curse. The Prince of Pain claimed that he had re to retrieve the cure from Vermina after some difficult, quote-unquote, discussion. Um, I've played through Morrowind a few times. I've never actually contracted vampirism. I fought vampires, but I never actually became a vampire myself. So, um, add that to the checklist of things I need to do. Alright, let's talk about Oblivion. And I actually do remember this quest. So, in 3rd Era 433, the Orb of Vermina was stolen from the Dream World and brought into reality by the wizard Arkved, who brought the Orb to his tower in the Nibine Basin. Romina wanted it back and tasked the champion of Cyrodiil with retrieving it. Reality had become warped inside the tower, transfiguring it into a place of waking nightmares. But the champion braved the horrors and recovered the orb. Romina rewarded the champion with the Skull of Corruption and promised Arkved 
would never escape his nightmares. Yeah, um, that was pretty crazy. Um, I do definitely remember playing that quest. So he's just sitting there in a, laying there in a bed asleep, and all these things just keep happening in his room. It's pretty wild. So um, most people know Vermina from the quest from Skyrim. So let's talk about that. We kind of talked a little bit about that earlier. Here, let me take a sip of my coffee here. So, in 4th Era 201, the city of Dawnstar was being plagued by continuous nightmares. Yeah, people were afraid to sleep. And because whenever they did, it would be a nightmare, regardless of, you know, it, it was just that whenever they laid down to sleep, it was always a nightmare that would happen. So, while in town, the last dragonborn met Erendur, a priest of Mara, uh, formerly a priest of Romina, but you don't find that out until later, who explained that disturbances were originating from the nearby Nightcaller Temple. Years before, the temple had been invaded by a band of orcs, and as a last resort, Romina's priests released the miasma, which was a gas that placed everyone within a never-ending, ageless sleep. The pair entered the temple and soon found the source of Dawnstar's nightmares, which, of course, is the Skull of Corruption, which had been feeding off the memories of those nearby. The path of the path to Vermina's artifact was blocked by a magical barrier, but Erendur had an idea. The Dragonborn would enter the Dream Stride, and the priest and the Dragonborn fought their way past the orcs, which would randomly... they'd wake up whenever you entered the room and uh, also the cultists, and located a vial of Romina's torpor. The dragonborn imbibed, imbibed, uh, whatever that word is, the concoction, and entered the dreamlike memory of the temple under attack. So yeah, basically it's like you travel back in time. Uh, from the point of view of the, the one who released the miasma. So yeah, you basically are playing through somebody's memories. Uh, which turned out to be Erendur. When the vision ended, the Dragonborn reappeared inside the barrier, disabling it. The duo pressed on toward the Skull of Corruption, battling their way past Erendur's former friends. The priests then prepared to banish the artifact back to oblivion, but Vermina tried to intervene. She basically whispers in your ear and tells you to kill Erendur because he's going to betray you. So you have to make a choice. You can trust Erendur to do what he said he's going to do, or you can kill him. Um, it, yeah, he. It turns out that uh, Vermina was just lying, trying to protect the skull of corruption. But uh, what you do is up to you. So you can kill him and take the skull of corruption for yourself, or you can destroy it. Or have Erendur destroy it. He's trying to destroy it, and you're either Vermina's trying to stop him by telling you to stop him. So, yeah, um, I I'd say let him destroy it. I mean, but if you really want the Skull of Corruption, then you know, kill him. So, speaking of the Skull of Corruption, let's talk about it a little bit. So, it's a staff, and it's got this skull. It kind of looks like. It's got uh, Molech Ball's head on the end of it, but it's basically a skull with horns coming out the side. 
and it's a it can create a duplicate or a clone of whomever it's cast upon so this clone then attacks the original at the behest of the caster so legends say that the staff has a mind of its own and can feed off the memories of those around it i think that's pretty obvious considering the quest we just talked about so there's a story about a thieves guild master in the skull which is probably made up but it is kind of funny uh, the master used the skull on her enemy, creating the clone of him to fight. And after defeating the original, the clone or the clever duplicate snatched the skull and used it on her. So, although the cloned enemy could not directly attack the master, it could use the skull to create a duplicate master. And the two clones joined the thieves' guild for many years after that. So let's talk about the orb. So the orb is named after Fermina, obviously, and it, it's apparently used for scrying. At some point before uh, Third Era 433, it was in the possession of a wizard named Arkford, which we mentioned earlier, and it was apparently snatched from the dreams of Romina's followers. So, according to the moth priest Kellen, the orb was later used by Lord Narfin, and then in the service of Boethia to spy on uh, Titus Mee II and his armies. And it was recovered by the forgotten hero from the Emperor's chambers who either destroyed or kept it. So that sounds like it took place sometime in the fourth era. I don't remember it wasn't mentioned earlier in the article, but yeah. Um, so let's talk about Quagmire. So Quagmire, which is also known as the Dream Stride, is a realm of oblivion created and ruled over by Vermina. It is a realm of horrors, which reality shifts upon itself in seemingly impossible ways. Every few minutes, lightning flashes and the realm morphs into a more terrifying scene. It is the realm that is often most visited by mortals. It is the realm most often visited by mortals. From her citadel in the center of the realm, Vermina reaches out into Mundus and collects memories of sleeping mortals, leaving nothing but visions of horror and despair. These experiences are known as nightmares, so that's uh, how they explain nightmares in the world of Tamriel. So these involve the mind of a mortal traveling to Quagmire. Through the magical teleportation, it is possible for a mortal to enter Quagmire while awake, and as when it was done by the mage Morian Zenos. So Vermina does have some servants in Quagmire. These include Scams, Clan Fear, Grimora, and more powerful omens. I'm not familiar with omens, but apparently they are a creature. Vermina omens are powerful, malicious Daedra who seek to spread chaos in Nern, and some of her most powerful minions. Omens enter people's dreams to influence them, driving them to make decisions they would otherwise not make. Their influence uh, persists in the waking world as omens may whisper in a victim or whisper to its victim or torment them by showing them horrible visions or forcing them to relive their worst nightmares. Basically, it drives them insane. Omens victims may be driven to murder uh, those that they love, incite bloody conflict, or betray those close to them. They dwell in dreams and must be slain in their victim's dream in order to eject them from Nern forever. So that sounds absolutely terrifying. 
Among the most elusive of these omens is the omen of deception, whose true name is Ikal. He seeks to wreak havoc by spreading lies and driving Nerm's inhabitants to distrust and betrayal. Ikal can be summoned by cultists to perform a specific ritual, which involves four braziers, slaying a human sacrifice and speaking his true name. The caveat is that the sacrifice must be dead when Nikal arrives, or he will be summoned in a weakened state. He was slain by the Vestige in 2nd Era 582 after the supernal dreamers called him to Tamriel. The omen of betrayal has been encountered by mortals who travel across Tamriel in the 1st and 2nd Eras. The inhabitants of Somerset knew it as the Grey Sleep, and the Argonians referred to it as the Egg Terror, and the orcs call it the Visiting Breton. Interesting. Visiting Breton. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> what a way to end this uh, series of Daedric Princes on, huh? Something absolutely terrifying. Um, I know I've said that Molag Ball would scare the shit out of me if you were real, but... Vermina would too. Um, also, Vermina's subjects sound absolutely terrifying. Also, um, I mentioned night terrors earlier. There's actually a picture of a night terror here in the article. It kind of looks like a bone colossus. But uh, yeah, that is it on Vermina. So there's some pictures here of what Vermina looks like, like from Daggerfall. Um, also, ESO. Oblivion. There is a gloom spore cinch that uh, is believed to be glowing thanks to Romina's artifacts. So, and then there's a picture of the Skull of Corruption. So, actually, there's a few pictures of the Skull of Corruption, but yeah, I think that's it on Vermina. So, as I mentioned, I think what I'm going to do um, now that this series is over is gonna, I'm going to start talking about the different incarnations of the empire. So I'm going to start with the Alessian Empire. I'm going to talk about different aspects of it. I'm going to talk about St. Alessia. I'm going to talk about Pelinal Whitestrake. Um, just how the empire got started. It might take a few episodes. So, and then I'm going to go into the subsequent empires. I'm going to go into the second empire. We talked a lot about the uh, the, the Septim dynasty, but I don't. We just talked about the different rulers during the Septim Dynasty. I don't think we talked a lot about the rest of it. So, yeah, that is it for this episode. I'd like to thank The Hive, as always, for sponsoring this podcast. If you'd like to get a hold of me, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. The show's handles are TamerLP, and you can find me personally at iangold08. You can find me on Xbox. My screen name is Sulior, S-U-L-I-O-R-E. You can find me on PC also, possibly. Um, you can, um, my I think my Fallout 76 screen name is Sulior. Um, but yeah, that's going to do it for this episode. So I guess, as always... Stay safe, adventurers.